0: Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Today we are going to be talking with Susan Packard, who is the co-founder of Scripps Networks Interactive and the former chief operating officer of HGTV. She's held a variety of senior positions at Scripps Network Interactive, the leading developer of lifestyle-oriented content for television and the Internet. The company's media portfolio includes popular lifestyle television brands, HGTV, Food Network, DIY Network, Cooking Channel, Country Music Network, Great American Country, and the Travel Channel. She created and served as president of Scripps Network's new ventures, where she oversaw the development and launch of DIY Network, Fine Living Network, and online interactive platforms. Susan was also president of worldwide distribution for the Scripps Cable Brands, and she's here to talk with us today about a new book that she's written. It's called New Rules of the Game, 10 Strategies for Women in the Workplace. And she's going to be here in Overland Park on April the 26th as one of the keynote speakers for the Central Exchange's Annual Lyceum for Women.
1: Welcome to the show today. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Well, we're excited to have you on the show and also that you are coming to the Kansas City area later this month. Yes, yeah, that's, yes that's kind I of, love
1: Kansas City.
0: Do, oh, So you've been here before.
1: Oh, yes, many times.
0: Very good. Now, let's talk a little bit about your book, and, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about your your media days, too, that's great, but let, let's focus in now on the book. Why did you write it, and why now?
1: Well, um, I left the um, HGTV and SNI business five years ago, and... When I left, because I'm, I've been, I'm a builder, of, and I had been there 16 years, which is longer than I'd been anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, hmm, what's next for me? And I uh, was looking to maybe start a new business. Wasn't really for, fully formed, but um, so I left SNI, and i and a friend of mine who has written some business books said, you know, Susan, you've got a little time on your hands now. Why don't you consider writing a book? And um, I said, okay, now what am I supposed to be writing a book about? And she said, well, I think your career is is an interesting story, so why don't you think about that and see if you can put something together? So she encouraged me to do this. I I sat back and I thought about, okay, well, what were the factors that helped me to be successful? And then I went around and I interviewed a dozen CEOs, mostly women, but um, some men. Too, and that became the foundation of the book. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Now, is this a book just for women? I mean, with uh, your experience with the network and, and the other things you've been involved in, many people say you're one of the loudest voices for women out there. So is this book just for women?
1: Um, well, as it turns out, so this is, this is the process that I went through. And again, first-time writer of a book I wrote each chapter separately and then I read it from beginning to end once I'd finished each chapter and it was I had one of those aha moments where I I looked at it and realized that of the 10 chapters really there are only 4 that are very specific to women Um, And since then, in the last year, I've been talking about the book to various groups, many of which have men in it, And, and they've come up to me afterwards and given me some feedback, which tells me that it really is a pretty genderless book.
0: So really, anybody can get a lot of valuable information about the book. And the other thing that uh, sometimes you find with books is that they may be about career, but you really find out that they can apply to just about any aspect of your life. Would you say that's true of this book?
1: Yes, absolutely. In fact, the the second I divided it into two parts, and the second part is around emotional maturity and this is where you know we move from say if you're in a manager level you move from manager to leader Mm -hmm. because it's as much a way of how you handle yourself how you think how you interact with others and that is absolutely applicable for your life so um, I do think and in that area when I second half I basically divided it into resilience, again, a life skill, uh, respect, a life skill. And um, the so the so these kinds of things, inclusiveness was the third, and inclusiveness you might argue is more a workplace issue, you know, diversity, mm-hmm. inclusiveness. But it's a bigger I argue about I you know, when I'm in the when I'm writing the book, it's much a much bigger idea than just workplace diversity so absolutely
0: one of the things that you hear a lot about is that women are different in the workplace than men they think differently uh, they act differently and and so I, my question to you is should women play the game like men is that what it takes to get to those higher level positions or to eventually have satisfaction that comes from, you know, the recognition in the workplace. Do you have to
1: play like men? Right. Um, no. In fact, you know, first of all, viva la difference, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. we're <laughs> <thing was> different. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and we ought, we ought to use our gifts. So, no, you know, women, we, we come with these just wonderful workplace gifts of um, collaboration and great listening skills skills and empathy and all of these things that um, make us, the re when, you know, when you look at the data on women and senior um, roles and organizations, the data confirms that when you have a diverse senior table, your operating results are better. Yes. And that's because women, you know, need to use and express their gifts. No, but what I am Trying to say in the book is think like an athlete. So you know the whole book is around this theme I call gamesmanship, Mm -hmm. which is a a set of skills and strategies that can help you to navigate your workplace successfully. And it has to do with how we compete in the workplace and how we think in in the realm of competing. And too often, the women that I've mentored uh, my career are somewhat shy about being willing to express their competitive spirit openly in the workplace. Um, the great news is that with Title IX and little girls now playing a lot more team sports, it's changing. But it's still changing slowly. So, think like an athlete. Um, you know, come to work with confidence, with poise, with composure you know, with mental fortitude, those are the kinds of skills... I suggest in the book, right?
0: And when you talked a little bit earlier about the emotional aspect of it, that you've got uh, some advice in there about that, and and that's true too. Everybody brings emotion to a game. Professional athletes bring emotion to a game, mm-hmm. but there is a fine line between um, having those emotions and they drive you and keeping them in check uh, somewhat mm-hmm. as well, so that it doesn't get in the way of your gameplay. And so that's probably mm-hmm. true of the workplace too they drive you to a certain extent but you need to know when to keep them in check too
1: yeah so you know a great example of not keeping emotions in check is john McEnroe. anybody mm-hmm. who has any history with tennis knows and for athletes at that level they can be wonderful role models or they can be an example of everything that's bad mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he grew up after pretty much after he got off the court. But um, that is really true for women in the workplace. This is one of the areas, one of the chapters that is a woman's chapter, and it deals with composure because we are, um, you know, so many people around us, because there are a few of us in leadership still today, just expect us to, you know, be – falling apart at work (laughs) and, you know, crying all over the workplace floor, and these are the kinds of things that there's just a lot of history of um, wrong thinking and unconscious bias, so it it really requires us to come to work with composure, calm, you know, to be well-reasoned in your thinking, Uh, but it doesn't mean you know, I ran sales teams my whole career. I showed all kinds of passion, you know, so it's not it's not to suggest that you act like a robot. Right. It's, it's to suggest that, you know, you use emotion uh, appropriately.
0: Yes. You have been away from uh, the days when you co-founded HGTV. It's been about 20 years now. What have you seen change during that time? Especially, you know, you were breaking into media and in you know, a very uh, tight industry where women really in, in leadership roles, especially 20 years or so ago, that just wasn't mm-hmm. the norm. So what kind of changes have you seen in that time? And you think we're headed in the right direction? Um, so,
1: in about the time that HGTV was um, founded, we had two women CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Today, there are 20. And you can say, oh, my God, that you know, growth is just incredible on a percentage basis. But the fact is, there's still 480 men. Right. So, we um, are making strides, but they're slow. And the more that um, research companies like Catalyst and others provide the data that shows the impact of women in a a diverse workforce um, lending to better operating results, those kinds of things are going to be very important. And truthfully, some of this is generational. So we, you know, I have a, my husband and I have a 25-year-old son. He works for a woman. He works in an office where it's more women than men and it's advertising sales. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he doesn't even think twice about the fact that he's reporting to a woman. Mm -hmm. So, but, I mean, Do we have to wait another 25 years exactly this is why i hope that my book and others like it can have some impact
0: yes and we're going to take a quick break now when we get back we want to talk a little bit more about the book and about the upcoming lyceum you're listening to smart companies radio on blog talk radio we'll be right back with susan packard the co-founder of hgtv every hiring manager knows that a company is only as good as the people it's made from so where do you find the best people that may surprise you meet the grads of life young adults of unique determination and experience an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position internship or even mentorship they might not have every qualification you typically look for but they're exactly who your company needs
1: this is talent worth knowing about
0: go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find cultivate and train this great pool of untapped talent brought to you by the ad council and grads of gradsoflife.org interested in growing your business morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here this morning with Susan Packard, who is the co-founder of HGTV. She has a new book out called New Rules of the Game, 10 Strategies for Women in the Workplace. She's also going to be here in the Kansas City area, Overland Park, uh, on April the 26th. She's going to be a t- keynote speaker for the Women's Lyceum, an annual conference that the CX has for women here in in Kansas City actually it's a regional uh, invitation so if you're in the area not quite in Kansas City you're still invited to come go out to the Central Exchange's website and get your tickets for that your registration so let's go back to the book now Susan when um, you wrote this did you have this in mind for women who are just starting out in their career or is there a lot of good advice too for women who've been in the workplace for a long time?
1: Yeah, um, I was thinking about both. And, you know, I do a fair amount of work at universities with young women. And so I was thinking about women that are starting careers as well as um, I coach senior women. So both um, really were on my mind when I wrote the book. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, so if you looked at the book and the 10 chapters, the advice I would give to women starting out are some of that advice is in chapter one on conditioning and i would and I suggest in that chapter having some financial knowledge and some line experience, for example so I had no finance background I got a graduate degree but i I I thought that I was so smart because I could avoid finance and avoid accounting by getting an advertising, an M.A. instead of an M.B.A. So that's how um, terrified I was of numbers. And, you know, I got into the workplace and realized that I absolutely had to understand a little bit about finance if I wanted to be a leader. So that's one thing you can learn it at your community college. There are ways to just get uh, somewhat conversant in 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 the financial language, which is the language of business, Mm -hmm. and line experience, which is actually working in an area that has a P&L attached or you know a revenue generating area. Those two things, but the other thing, and this is more of a mindset, I talk about in. chapter six, practice, practice, practice. In working, you know, we have a millennial son and in working with young, the younger folks today and probably you and I were both like this too, Kelly, and, um, in our 20s and our early 30s, it's very, you want uh, the quick promotion, the quick, you know, what am I going to do next? And your career is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And so I Try to suggest that, have a little bit of patience, learn, learn in your you know in your environment and in your career, um, and make sure that you really have gained some skills before you consider the next thing now, for the more senior women, um, I focus more on emotional maturity, mm-hmm. which i've talked about already, um, because more senior women have already gone through the process of seeing where they've needed the financial knowledge, have had to carry themselves with composure, you know, the, the, the various other parts of the book. Um, but since it's really where, you know, emotional maturity is really where you move from manager to leader, you know, from me to we. Um That's the area that I focus the more senior women on. Okay,
0: and you know when you talk about the financial aspect and the gaining that financial knowledge, uh, obviously it bodes you well in uh, your day to day with the organization. But one of the things that I learned many many years ago, I don't even remember who the speaker was, but she'd written a book and I was at a women's conference, and she said that we talk about this pay gap between men and women, and she said one of the things that women do not do at the beginning of their careers that puts them behind, and she had a number that was astronomical, at least it seemed like to me at the time, that by the end of their career, they have lost out on this much money simply because Mm -hmm. of this $1, Thing and that is when they take their very first job, they fail to negotiate that starting salary the way mm-hmm. that men do. And then, mm-hmm. even if they do get raises and so forth, that mm-hmm. it, it's you know the multiplier effect, it's just not occurring as fast a yeah. rate. So, I have that
1: number for you actually, yeah. it's seven hundred and fifty thousand
0: dollars, <laughs> yeah, three quarters it, of yeah. a million dollars over homo- a lifetime. It's almost
1: a million dollars if you don't, if you're not willing to negotiate your salary, and also if you're not willing to walk away.
0: Oh, yes. So
1: I talk about that a lot in the book, mm-hmm. and um, it's one of the main points I make when I speak. It's a very important to women that they have that, that, that thought, that ability, you know, that resilience to be able to do these things that men do all the time.
0: And they don't think twice about it. They don't think that they're being too aggressive. They don't think, oh, they're not going to like me.
1: (laughs) You know, part of it, I think, gets back to team sports. Mm -hmm. You know, they're used to losing as well as winning. And it's just not that big a deal because the next day they just played another game. But we don't think that way and we need to do there are things that men can teach us and this is one of them yes um and and it's very it's a very important lesson because we live longer than men and we need to be able to take care of ourselves
0: you have a part in the book that's called tough face tell us about what tough face (laughs) is i found that intriguing (laughs)
1: Right. Um, Well, there's a there's there've been several women that have coached that I've had to kind of get them out of tough face. This is where you don't realize you. First of all, you don't realize you're doing it, Mm -hmm. and that's an important caveat. So you are in a meeting, and somebody is trying to make a point, and they're looking at you, and you look angry. You look uh, very unapproachable. And what you're trying to do is understand the point. You're really just trying to, you know, you're with that person, but they think you're in a way against them. So um, what I suggest, and it may sound really corny, is um, (laughs) to look at yourself in the mirror and to see yourself with a smile and that, you know, welcoming smiles are an important part of accessibility for a leader it's a connector yes. for other people, you know, and it really helps you to uh, be able to show your humanity by, and so you should be smiling unless you're firing someone. For the most part, <laughs> you're, you, you know, your face face should be more that of a smile than a, ever a frown.
0: Right. Well, this goes to body language in general. Then is is there... Anything, any kind of advice that you can give us for having more open body language so that you do seem more approachable and uh, have that, uh, I think, connectedness is the word that you use or connecting uh, type of look. Is there any advice you can give us there?
1: Well, um, it's more advice that I've read myself, which has to do with, you know, when you're uh, trying to make a point and there's a group that you're, you know, you should outstretch your arms, mm-hmm. um, which is welcoming and also, um, in a way, it's sort of a business embrace, if you will. You know, when you're walking, just your posture itself should be shoulders back, head up, and as I said, smile on your face. And that's a composed posture. And those are the kinds of things that people notice versus say, you know, you're in a meeting and somebody comes running in and plops down, you know, on a chair and um, is laid and, you know, that's the opposite of what you don't want that person to be your leader. It's right. Because they don't have the composure.
0: Exactly. Well, and they also give you the sense that they're not organized and, uh, you know, they just aren't in command either. So when exactly. when people run in like that, one of the other points, of course, we can't go through all of the 10 strategies, but one of the other things that pieces of advice you give that people might think is a little unusual, and that has to do with lateral career moves. Can you talk about that a bit?
1: Right. Um, and this is in the chapter on practice, practice, practice. We do not have any longer in business a ladder. That idea went out of vogue and date and real practical reality uh, many years ago. What we have is a jungle gym, if you will. I mean, that's the metaphor. So you're moving, you, you get to senior positions and C-suite jobs through traversing a jungle gym and that means so for example for me when I was at HGTV yes I was COO but I also moved into other positions that others would say were lateral moves. I moved over to start up the international department. I moved over to run new ventures which which had to do with digital platforms. Now I realize those are at senior levels but when you're in an organization it's about learning because and gaining skills. And so when you get into that role um, or that potential of being promoted into the C-suite or into a senior VP role, whatever the case may be, you have a composite of skills. And you're not going to get them if you're not open to taking lateral moves. Mm-hmm. Lateral moves, as long as they are line jobs, back to, you know, having P and L responsibility or revenue responsibility, all of that enhances your skill set. Yes.
0: And I, I would think, too, that in this day and age, not only is the ladder, you know, you don't you don't go up the ladder, you're moving all around like you compared it to a jungle gym, which is a great analogy. But even uh, other industries, you see more and more people moving from one industry to another. They get their degree in something unless, you know, you're a physician, which, you know, it's very defined. You know, you, they move from industry to industry. They might have a law degree, but never practice law and, and go into all different kinds of paths. And then somewhere along the line, it all makes sense. It all comes together. And all that experience uh, finally leads to what they're, I guess you could say, destined to do. So you're seeing it not even within the organization that it's not this straight up the ladder path. But even between industries, you see a lot of people moving Mm -hmm. around, which I think is fascinating.
1: That is fascinating. And if you as long as you can explain some logic, you know, you're interviewing for a senior role, say in a company or even a middle, you know, middle management role. As long as you can explain why you took those various jobs or moved in and out of industries and what you gained, um, it it wouldn't bother me at all. In fact, you know, having a diverse diversity, isn't just about gender or religion or, um, you know, ethnicity or any of those things. It's about skill set. So having a diverse skill set in the senior, um, around the senior table is very valuable.
0: Yes, very much so. Now, when you come on April the 26th, tell us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about. If you could just give our listeners a little bit of a tease here and, and hopefully they'll come out and see you.
1: Uh, I'm going to talk more about the book, uh, more in depth about the book, Mm -hmm. go through each of the chapters, and I've got some... A really fun video that goes along with um, the book and, uh, um, you know, how, how we all are anymore, if you're sitting down for a fairly long period of time without at least seeing some v- right. video. Is, <laughs> can be Sure. Off-putting. So, um, so it's more about the book. Hopefully it's a fun, uplifting presentation. Okay.
0: And you can go out to the Central Exchange. Just Google the Central Exchange and the Lyceum. It'll come right up and you can get registered for that. Come out and see Susan. Her book will be available there too. But for those who may not be able to make it after all, where can they get a copy of your book, Susan?
1: It's everywhere, but the easiest place to go is Amazon. Okay.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And thank you for writing the book.
1: Oh, thank you. I really appreciate this time with you, Kelly. It's been a lot of fun.
0: All right. it's safe trips to Kansas City, too. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit us at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at I Think Bigger or on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.